With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome into GC Live Talking Tuesday Nights. It's a little bit different this Tuesday evening because, of course, South Carolina wrapped up the regular season this past weekend with a huge win over Clemson, ending the Tigers' seven-game win streak against South Carolina. And in the process, the Gamecocks finished the year in the regular season, at least, 8-4. and 13th time program history, at least eight wins in the regular season for South Carolina. And on top of that, two Top 10 wins to close out the year. Back-to-back, something that had never been done in program history. There's a lot to get to tonight. We will look back at this past weekend, certainly, but I also want to start to look ahead because what has transpired since Saturday around, what, 4 o'clock? Around that time, a little before that, when South Carolina officially ended that game and won, a lot has took place. Obviously, offensive coordinator – Marcus Satterfield, he has accepted the job over at Nebraska. So there's an OC opening for USC. We will discuss that. I also want to discuss the possibility of what bowl games South Carolina could be playing in. But then getting into the transfer portal, that's something that's going to pick up next week. Players could announce right now that they want to go into the transfer portal. Nothing will be official, though, until December 5th. That's next Monday. Um, We'll hit on some of the other key dates to keep an eye on. We'll talk about the dead period. Dead period right now is taking place. That will change on Friday. Um, That is something different. I've had conversations with a couple other coaches across the country about how this is different. Um, And we'll kind of get into that because some people might be wondering, all right, why isn't Shane Beamer, why isn't some of these coaches, why aren't we seeing them at high schools taking their pictures as they usually would after that Clemson game, going to visit players. Well, it's because there's a dead period right now. So we'll get into that as well. Intern Joe, he is with us this evening. I know he's great. Joe, where do you want to begin tonight? Do we look back at the weekend that was and uh, go from there? Yeah, might as well. We're seeing seeing the the comments right now, um, talking about the bowl games, Joe, right? Gator, Citrus Bowl. Um, we can get into the bowl games. We can get into the bowl games. Um, and then in addition to that, <clears throat> and Joe just reminded me of this right before we hopped on, right. playoff rankings are coming out. Joe will keep an eye on that. So as soon as we get <clears throat> an update, I got to get some water over here. As soon as we get an update on that, we will get you updated with it. And women's basketball, they're in action tonight. We will get you updated on that. Reason why i um, dying over here i just house the super beef which is basically just a super uh is a roast beef sandwich they make up north because i had an eight all day 
<clears throat> got back from Gillette covering the Patriots. I'll tell you this. Speaking about, we'll, we'll transition from that. Saw Kevin Harris the other day because Kevin's right next to the door uh, where the media walks in for the Patriots locker room. And it feels like every week I'd see Kevin. And I've been going down to Gillette a little bit more this week because it's a Thursday night game. I've gone down the last three days. And they'll have their game on Thursday night against Buffalo. And we'd walk by each other, especially during that time period in which South Carolina was going through a rough patch, right? You know, with with losing uh, to Florida. And then I see Kevin against Tennessee, and he's just like, okay, okay. He's like, we'll see what they can do this week. And they went. It wasn't even one of those things, Joe, where we even said anything to each other. He kind of just looked at me. Eyes were raised, and he's just like, damn. That's all I say, damn. So it's neat because we had DJ Swearinger on Mixing a Water Monday. He talked about just what it meant to him. We heard from uh, Ryan Brewer a week ago on Mixing a Water Monday. If you've missed any of those interviews, go back on the Gamecock Central YouTube page. You can catch them all. Um, it's been special to hear from them. So, Joe, I say all that. My rude ass. Let me get to you. What do you want to start with, buddy? Mike, I think we we got to start with Clemson, right? Then we'll get into the future. We'll just pro- kind of progress through it. And, I mean, you were right. I mean, what a weekend it was. Um, it's been a while. This fan base has been waiting for it. Um, I certainly was down in five points for a little bit on Saturday. Um, if you saw me, you didn't see me. But, I mean, it was wild. This is the most lively I've seen the city since I've been here. Um, and, you know, it's it's crazy. And and I said it, too, on Saturday after the, after the show. You know, it's the most proud I've been to be a Gamecock to be enrolled at this university like it's crazy the, the the vibes and the feelings that we're got that we have for this university right now top ranked women's basketball team Beamer doing his thing it's it's crazy and that win was you know it's huge for the program huge for recruiting and you know I had so many friends from back home texting me about it like hey look at the Gamecocks and you know when I first got here everyone was kind of you know oh why would you go to South Carolina and all this stuff and you know it's nice for a change to people kind of be like oh my gosh I wish I were at South Carolina and that kind of thing and you know it's it's a great time to be a Gamecock, great time to be involved with this program. And I know for a fact that recruits are seeing this and, you know, obviously drawn to the program, tweeting about it, doing their best. I know our guy, Pup Howard, he's, he's doing our best, doing his best, you know, trying to recruit on Twitter actively and that kind of thing. Um, and so I guess we'll start with Clemson. Um, you know, it's a good place to start. And then we can work our way. Once these rankings come out, we can start talking about the future. All right, Joe. <clears throat> Dealer's choice. So that's what we're going to start with tonight. Yeah. Being able to go to Clemson after what they did against Tennessee, and we've talked about this throughout the course of the season. There's a lot of things that took place this season that South Carolina was able to do, which we just haven't seen in recent years. And obviously a lot of that, <clears throat> it's easy to say during the Muschamp era, right? But <clears throat> the big thing is, is even going back to last season, Shane Beamer's here, learning how to win, learning how to close out games, learning how to do things that, from a program standpoint, either A, you hadn't done in a long time, or B, you had never done in program history. So you go to Clemson a week after being able to do something that you had never done before, and that's being able to beat the living crap out of a top-five team when you're unranked, and you did so by putting up 60-plus points. And you end, you ended Tennessee's hopes of making the college football playoff. You did that a week ago. 
And like we saw against the A&Ms of the world, right? What happens when you do something like that? And I know it's not the exact same A&M, the Tennessee win, but a win's a win, right? They did something that they hadn't done before, which is beat the Aggies. Then you have to play a game the next week. And you have to be able to flush it. I think that was a real concern going into this game. I said that in, in the post-game show. I thought South Carolina was going to cover, but I didn't think they were going to win. And I think the reason being is I felt like they were getting closer to getting over that hump. That hump of, okay, this is what we did last week. Now we got to flush it. Because they hadn't proved it yet against a caliber team like they did against Tennessee. So that was something that I just didn't know what we were going to see, Joe. I just didn't know what to expect. I wanted to believe that they would just go out there and just say, screw it, let it ride. Let's just do what we need to do this week. That's exactly what they did. I just didn't know if we were going to be able to see it just because when you look at the entirety of the season in the regular season, there was just too much inconsistency on the offensive side of the ball to make you believe that that is what was going to happen. You might've said, all right, you know, Clemson, they're not as good as they've been in the past. Maybe that record, the ACC has been better uh, in comparison to the last couple of years. But with that being said, maybe that record of what was it? 10 and one going into the USC game. Maybe it's not a true indication of how good they really are. Um, or, you know, maybe they're not as good as their record indicates, but still I'm like, all right, they're going to death Valley. Haven't played there since 2018, Joe. I just, I wanted to believe that South Carolina could come out and do what they did, but until we actually saw it and because they did that now, because they did that, man, I understand things are going to change. We talked about the coaching change already with Marcus Satterfield. We're talking about uh, the possibility of guys maybe declaring or going to the portal, all that kind of stuff, which every team deals with, you know, it's part of the norm now. But um, at least for right now, man, you have to be feeling good about where this program is headed and just the future of it. Yeah, Mike, absolutely. Uh, And you said it best. I mean, last year, this team was back and forth and a very momentum team. Um, And I am just seeing that uh, South Carolina is ranked 19 in the college football playoff rankings. Um, I believe so. 19, yep. Um, Colin Taylor's story just published. So that's awesome. But, yeah, I mean, Mike, going back to it, like last year this team was very back and forth. And they couldn't really hold on to momentum and, you know, really win a string of games in a row. And we saw that at the end of the year. You know, nobody expected them to, you know, beat Tennessee and let alone carry the momentum into Clemson and at least put up a fight, let alone win. You know, um, it, it the energy throughout the building was was all confidence on Tuesday before, before this Clemson game. And I, I think a lot of people thought it was just because it was a rivalry week. You kind of have to get up for that anyways. But, I mean, I think this team did a great job at carrying momentum. Like, the offense, when I asked Spencer, like, how do you do it? He's like, you know, it's kind of the same game plan. You know, you kind of carry that confidence with you. You know, you had everything clicking on all cylinders. So you kind of just take it with you into the next game. And, you know, Beamer does a really good job. I will say that's one of his best strengths is, you know, being able to, I guess, keep the team level, you know, trying to keep them from getting complacent at where they're at. Um, and and I, it proved, you know, in the two biggest – arguably the two biggest games of the year – um, you know, I, one could make a case for Georgia, but that was really early on in the year and you don't necessarily know, you know, who your team is and you, you had a lot of guys banged up. So, I mean, in the two biggest games of the year, they, they not only beat Tennessee, stunned them and blew them out, 
But then they went into Death Valley and snapped Clemson's 40-game home win streak against your bitter in-state rivals that have beaten you the last seven years in a row. It's a huge win for the program, Mike. And I think, too, and I do want to get into what this win means with Marcus Satterfield. I know he just left. We're going to talk about the OC changes, um, who South Carolina, some of the, uh, the big board that our colleague Chris Clark has put together. And I know there's other names out there. Um, I know Bobby. Bobby's mentioning, you know, uh, you know, Dan, uh, Dan Mullen. And then Joey says, you know, Dan Mullen hates recruiting. I did have an opportunity to cover Dan Mullen when he was at Mississippi State. I covered, uh, it was 2015. <clears throat> it was Dak Prescott's last year at Mississippi State. Um, I also covered Ole Miss that year. Hugh Freeze, I think it was actually one of his last seasons over at Ole Miss before everything kind of fell apart. Um, Bryles O'Reilly. I know O'Reilly's name has been mentioned a lot. We'll get into that too. Um, but I do want to bring up though is this. Because we could talk about the play. Marcellus Dial, unbelievable. Unfreaking believable. I think Shane Beamer said today he was on 107.5 The Game. And one of the things he mentioned is one of the stats that he was told from his coaching staff was that Marcel Style was targeted 10 times, did not allow one catch. DJ Swearinger, when we did that interview for Mixing a Water Monday, we taped it immediately after the game on Saturday. I should say after the postgame show on Saturday. And DJ made dang sure to say, hey, Marcellus Dial, my name, and to give him his flowers. He performed tremendously on a totally different level. Um, and I'll say this about Marcellus. There's been times this season where it's like, is he going to start to break through? Then he has some nice plays, but he's just trying to put it all together. That game on Saturday, and I think I'm going to you know steal the phrase that DJ said, which was, that was NFL tape. You know, NFL draft tape worthy right there, his performance. Now, where I want to go to with the Satterfield talk, okay? Bottom line is Satterfield's not here anymore. So there's no need for people to be piling on stuff anymore. I'm not saying that's what's happening right now in the comment section, but um, there's no need, okay? It's over with, right? But where I want to go with this is, in a sense, South Carolina, and their fans included, should be thanking Marcus Satterfield. And this is the reason why I say this, Joe. If South Carolina does not have the type of offensive performances against Clemson, against Tennessee, they don't win those games. Now, special teams, we understand what kind of role it played this past weekend, okay? No one's saying that that didn't play a role. But the offense played a big role, too. And it was probably one of the better games that Marcus Satterfield called. I know some people are going to be like, well, you know, what about the pick six? It's not on Sat. Sat's not the one throwing the football. The game itself, you could see what they were doing, and they were able to execute a lot of things. Now, that mean everything that he did or that the offense did on Saturday, I agree with, right? You're at the one-yard line and throwing interceptions like it's, you know, Russell Wilt. No, I don't agree with that. But, again, looking at the big, big picture, I liked what they were doing. So I say all that, though, Joe, because because of what they were able to accomplish this past Saturday, because of what they were able to accomplish the week before against Tennessee, we talk about being able to beat top 10 teams back-to-back weeks to end the regular season. Because you finish 
the regular season with eight wins, which, as I mentioned before, oh, by the way, in the 100-plus year history of South Carolina, this is just the 13th time, the 13th time the Gamecocks have had eight wins or more to end the regular season. So I bring all that up because, as Beamer mentioned on 107.5 The Game today, this job, this job is more intriguing in comparison to where it was two years ago for the offensive coordinator position. And if South Carolina ends the year six and six, I'm not saying, I'm not saying no one's looking at what Beamer's doing and everything, but it's just different. That perception of it's different. Eight and four, you're getting the buzz. You talked about it. You know, you grew up in the Midwest. You're having buddies that used to bust your chops saying, why'd you go to South Carolina? I cover the Patriots every day. I'm going in. Hey, that was a good win for your team. My team, first off, Joe, you already know this. I'm not a fan. I just cover the team. Okay. I didn't go to the university. But I, people are recognizing what's going on with South Carolina. People that have no clue what's going on down there. So I bring all that up because it's hard to sit here today and say without Satterfield, because there are some people. And it's okay if you're here watching this program. We appreciate you watching GC Live talking Tuesday nights, whether it be on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. But if they got rid of Satterfield, I'm sure some people, it's going to be like, you know, arguing uh, with, with a brick wall. But I think some people who wanted to see Beamer move on from Sat after the Missouri game, right? Maybe the Florida game too. Because I'm sure some people say, well, maybe they would beat Florida. Okay. That doesn't happen. I really don't think that happens the last two weeks. I don't. I think Satterfield changed things up to a point where he simplified it. And we can make a, you know, a case to, as to why that wasn't the case all season. I understand that. But all I'm trying to get at is no one's saying that you got to invite Sat over for a cup of bourbon. No one's saying you got to send him a Christmas card. All I'm saying is, what he was able to do the last two weeks certainly helped himself out as he goes to Nebraska now and he um, has a fresh start, but he also helped South Carolina's the perception of the program because without this offensive performance over the last two weeks, this is a six and six team. This is a six and six team. And I'm not saying that this job isn't appealing. It's just not as appealing. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And you know, Shane, talked about it you're right he talked about it on the radio today and i think he was on his teleconference i believe um but he was like you know he joked that you know once he thought he was done reading through his text from clemson he was getting all kinds of texts about this offensive coordinator position it's a very attractive job in football simply because they've gotten the national attention they made a splash with tennessee and then followed it up with an even bigger splash beating in-state rival clemson who has been on the national stage for years you know, what Dabo has done at Clemson is kind of the blueprint of what you want to do for a school. I can remember growing up, Clemson wasn't even close to what they were or what they are now. And so for them to kind of build up to the national stage and be the almighty Clemson that, you know, Hunter Beamer liked when when, when his dad wasn't the head coach at uh, South Carolina, you know. So, I mean, I think it's a very attractive job. And I think Satterfield set himself up too, to, you know, kind of leave or exit on a good note, right? I was in a Twitter space Saturday night after the game, and a lot of people were talking, you know, pretty highly of him. Obviously, there were this the couple of fans that were still like, you know, still get him out of here. Like, we hope he hope he leaves, hope he goes to Nebraska, and obviously, like he did. But um, you know, I think that he set himself up for kind of a happy ending, if you will. And from what I understand, is that you know, 
Satterfield put a little bit more, um, you know, option in the play call to the players these last couple of weeks. He listened to his players a little bit more and was very open in the play call. Um, and we saw that there was a clip posted by Gamecock football in that last play of the game. Everyone was talking. Everyone had an input. And so, um, Mike, I think it just tees him up to kind of leave South Carolina on a happier note. And, yep. you know, the people who think that we should have extended him or the people who think that, you know, he could have stayed, should have stayed, whatnot. I mean, that's just not the reality anymore. Um, and so now the, the the coach or the the search for an offensive coordinator starts now and you, you got to start building towards the future. And it helps, like I said, you know, because the Gamecocks have been elevated to a national stage with those two massive wins. Well, I'm going to uh, let intern Joe dip back for a sec. If you guys want to call into the program, give intern Joe a call. 803-567-3796 to hop on the program tonight. GC Live talking Tuesday nights. And that clip, and I know Joey brought it up, cool clip of the offense. This is what you were talking about, Joe, with um, the offense telling Satterfield, get the ball to juice, and, you know, they'll end the game. And, of course, that's exactly what they did. It's a cool moment, and I'm not trying to take away from it. Stuff like that happens all the time. And I'm really glad that – I think Justin King tweeted this out saying that, you know, he appreciates the access that South Carolina gives him and his team and the uh, trust that they have between the creative service team and, and being able to do that because some coaches, they won't let you do that stuff. They won't let you get that close. But I bring that up because again, Satterfield's not here anymore um, as he's out in Nebraska now with the Cornhuskers. But I saw some people saying like, see, this is what we're talking about. Sat doesn't know what he's doing. No, it's a sign of a good coach. And I would argue that maybe, that was probably, you know, a little bit of the issue at times. Maybe Sack could have had a little bit more trust and, and faith in his guys. And I'm not saying that wasn't the case all the time. But what I'm trying to get at is I think, you know, we, we talked about it throughout the course of the season at times that maybe, and I don't know if it was uh, Skarnecchia that we talked to, uh, we talked with about this, but basically getting, you know, a, a square – and trying to make it fit into a circle. It's just, you know, just because you have this perception and this idea of what you want this thing to look like from an offensive standpoint, it's okay to mold it to what you have to work with and make it work. And I think over the last couple of weeks, especially the last two weeks, we saw that and it was executed to an absolute T. Absolute T. Um, so that's, that's that. Um, Peyton says... Give me a nice seeing Carolina in the college football playoff rankings. That is right. Number 19, if you're just tuning in. Number 19. Um, not to be a Debbie Downer, it really means absolutely nothing. Uh, it's nice. It's nice. But ultimately, you know, when we talk about the bowl games in a little bit, ultimately what it's going to come down to is what happens on Saturday night? We'll, we'll know where South Carolina is going to be playing after Saturday night. I understand the bowl selection show will be on Sunday. We're going to find out by Saturday. We'll know. Um, and even though he's not a colleague of mine, but directly from Gamecock Central or on three, Brett, Mc, Brett McMurphy is one of the best, one of the best in the game when it comes to knowing uh, which teams are playing in what bowl game. So that's the guy to follow on, on Saturday night. He will definitely be able to let you guys know. Big Red. Hey, Mike. 
who's supposed to take over OC duties for the bowl game? It's an interesting question. It's an interesting question, Big Red. I'm looking into it right now. Um, I do know that Shane Beamer is going through end of the year meetings right now with both players and coaches. It's it's unique um, with the fact that, and I say unique just in, in terms of recent years, and obviously for Beamer and his staff, they made it to a bowl game last year. But, yes, you have a bowl game, but they're going to address those things right now. They're going to address those things right now. So while they do that, um, I'm sure there's conversations going on, whether it be you know, with Justin and Stapp, whether it be with uh, Freddie Kitchens, I'm sure, I'm sure, I mean, even Pete Lumbo, I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to look very similar to what they've been doing throughout the course of the season. Uh, but I'm sure there's going to be some wrinkles that you're going to be able to tell, like, all right, something's a little bit different. When we find out, and again, nothing has been, put it this way, it's not it's not a done deal yet where I feel comfortable enough saying, okay, this is the person that's going to be calling the plays in the bowl game. But I feel like that will be something that will be shared sooner rather than later, probably in the next couple of days. But again, it's not like it's not like sat leaving surprise South Carolina. Um I know I saw some people when they when they saw the report, I can't remember and I I apologize. I don't remember if it was um, ESPN or not. I try to make sure I give credit to reports, but saying that, you know, South Carolina tried to make a push for him to stay. Um, I, I don't know how it's going to play out in terms of what they're going to do with an OC next. We're going to get into that. We'll mention some of the names, but in terms of that short term, um, I'll have intern Joe hop on. Intern Joe, I don't know if you're hearing anything yet. Um, but I think, look, I, I think ultimately, I think ultimately what they're going to do is they're going to, they're going to stay, they're going to stay true to what they've been doing this season. I wouldn't be shocked if Lumbo gets involved just because having, and that's not to say that he's not doing anything as an, uh, a special teams coordinator. He's the best at what he does. And I want to get into Lumbo's contract in a little bit and what he looks like in comparison to the rest of the country and, you know, that million-dollar mark, which I, I know I've seen a lot of Gamecock fans bring up. Um, I could see him maybe being asked to be a little bit more hands-on with the offense this week. And the reason why I bring that up is this. This isn't unusual for teams to go into a bowl game and a coach or two isn't there anymore and you have to shuffle around a little bit. But to me – to me, I'm sure Lembo will be asked to do something to help the offense out, whether he's calling the plays or not. Now, Freddie Kitchens is there. He's an analyst. You would think you would think it would be the natural move. Freddie was a quarterback in college at Alabama. He was Mr. Football in the state of Alabama coming out of high school. He's coached on both sides of the ball, whether it be at the college level, whether it be at the pro level. Um, to me, it would make the most sense to have him slide into that OC role. But that doesn't mean that will be the case. I do believe, I do believe that we'll see Freddie coaching the quarterbacks, though, because to me that just makes the most sense, and you don't have to do as much, you know, shuffling around. But Lembo might be asked to help out a little bit with the offense to just try to, you know, take some of that load off of Freddie. Yeah, Mike, absolutely. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. As an intern, I really don't get those kind of scoops yet. 
But, uh, <laughs> I'm you know. trying to give you a softball. Well, I say softball. I'm trying to tee you up. Hey. I have an idea, I have an idea, but I'm just trying to, you know. I wish I wish I had some of those scoops. I mean, I can give you my idea of who who I think you know they that what direction they'll go in. I think one of the names that really isn't being talked about is Justin Step, the wide receivers coach. I think he he might have some say in it. Um, I also mm-hmm. I like your take about Lembo. I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him some say. You know, being a former head coach and whatnot, and a successful one at that in 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 the uh, in the MAC at Ball State and whatnot. But I mean, I don't know, Mike. I mean, I I, I think. Justin Stepp is certainly going to be involved. Um, he's done a lot. I, I know he's been involved pretty heavily with some of uh, the offensive meetings and stuff like that with Satterfield and whatnot. But, I mean, other than that, like, I mean, kind of what you said, too, I don't know if Freddie's going to get involved either. Like, I mean, he, he'd be a logical choice there. And I feel he like would at least of, make sense. He yeah. would at least make sense to work with the quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Then there's not a lot of there's not a lot of movement in terms of, like, okay, you know, and I'm making this up. I, this – this isn't going to happen, but all right, let's move Justin step to work with the quarterbacks. Let's do this. There. I mean, I can think back to, I can think back to a couple of years ago. It was the Outback bowl. Hayden Hurst's last year. So that would have been the 2017 season Outback bowl. And uh, it would have been the 2017, 2018 season and Bobby Bentley. And he moved around a little bit. God bless Bobby Bentley. I believe I'm just going to double check here. I believe he was coaching the running backs that season. I know he coached the tight ends a little bit. Want to make sure. Okay. So Bobby Bentley was coaching the running backs in that 2017 season. Bobby Bentley was asked to be the uh, quarterback coach that week. He coached Jake. And I bring that up just because, you know, they moved on from Kirk Roper. There's shuffling sometimes like that. Um, I just try to think in terms of what makes the most sense. What would be the easiest transition? Now, it's something else that can't be overlooked because not every head coach is like this. Some head coaches like to be a little bit more hands-on in certain departments than others. Beamer doesn't have necessarily a set position that he's coaching. Okay? Again, sometimes coaches are involved with a positional group more time, you know, more than, than other coaches are. Beamer has kind of been really hopping around more than anything, um, which again shows his humility, which shows his trust um, with the other coaches on the staff that he has faith in them that he doesn't necessarily have, even though he does to an extent, he doesn't have to have his handprints on every single movement in that building. Some coaches are, are, are anal like that. They want to make sure that every little thing done in that building, they have their handprints on. He has the confidence in the coaching staff that he's hired to be able to do their job. Obviously he's going to add input. Obviously he's their boss. So they're going to relay things back to him and he might say, yeah, let's do it this way or this or that. But because of this, because of the unique situation that they're in, I think it allows them the ability to be a little bit more flexible. And if Shane has to help out with a certain positional group, just a little bit more, right? Just a little bit more. I'm not saying that, you know, Shane's going to be, calling the offensive plays on um on in, in the bowl game i wanted to say on saturday we're so used to saying that um but you also have two other guys that have been head coaches you have pete Lem- freddie kitchens of course okay and people can say about what they want about freddie kitchen coaching in the nfl bottom line is he brings experience of coaching at both levels and he played at the university of alabama okay he understands what the heck he's doing but then you also have a guy like pete lumbo who also has coaching experience as a head coach, 
But on top of it, and I think this is the part, this is why I think I could see if Freddie were to be calling the offense this week for the bowl game, excuse me. The reason why I could see Lembo helping out on the offense, Joe, is because Lembo has been there already for a year. And while while Freddie is, you know, he's got acclimated to the players a little bit, Lembo knows those guys a little bit more. So, again, maybe Freddie's working with the quarterbacks. Maybe he's doing, you know, whether it's calling the – whatever whatever you want to call it from a job title standpoint. But I would I would not be surprised if Lembo is involved uh, – with the offense a little bit this week. Now, what I do want to bring up, though, what I do want to bring up, though, Joe, is looking at, I want to make sure I pull this up because Chris Clark has been doing a great job. Uh, if you haven't already, if you haven't already, go check out Gamecock Central. Chris Clark has done a great job. He's got his uh, offensive coordinator hut board 2.0 already out, okay? So he's been staying busy with that. Um, so give that a peek. I want to see, this is his, this is his report from today. I wanted to go back and and see if we could find the, um, the first one, um, should have had that pulled up, but you know, look, the names that are going to get brought up and I've seen a lot. Okay. Kendall Bryles from Arkansas. Um, and this is coming from. Chris's report, some of the stuff that I'm reading here. Uh, He writes, this candidate runs an interesting offense and has led efforts that greatly improved Arkansas's offense relative to where it was before his arrival. Uh, Bryles worked for a season in Fayetteville with current South Carolina wide receivers coach Justin Stepp. There have been some rumbles over the course of the last year that he is um, open to an exit from Sam Pittman's program. So I bring that up because, again, that's a name we're going to see a lot of and I do want to get back to this question about uh, – actually, I'll just answer right now. I don't think he was 100%. I don't think Lloyd was 100%. He was banged up. Um, I think he tried to do everything he could to play. Um, but to go back to this question, though, you know, looking at some of the OCs, certainly, certainly I think uh, Bryles is the one that stands out to me. And it's not just because of what he's done from a, from an offensive standpoint, the explosion. Um and I understand Arkansas didn't have the type of season I think some were expecting them to have this year, Joe. Um, but, you know, Bryles uh, inherited a team that was averaging 21.4 points um, and gained 340 yards per game in 2019 prior to his arrival. Um, they scored 30.9 points a game. That's the most since 2015. And they were racking up 441 yards a game. So I just bring that up because he's proven – in this conference that he's capable of putting an offense together that can have success. But what's really intriguing is that nugget, that nugget about that relationship with Justin step. And I've mentioned this before. You need your offensive coordinator and your offensive line coach to be in sync, but man, it does not hurt to have an OC and the wide receiver coach already having some type of report with each other. That can only help this offense if Bryles were to be the guy. Yeah, Mike, absolutely. I mean, I, I love the Kendall Bryles um, option. I also – another name I really like is Garrett Riley. I mean, I think if you can get him in here and pay him enough, um, he'd do tremendous things for this offense. You've seen what he's done for TCU. It has been a heck of a year for the Horn Frogs. 
So I think Garrett Riley is one of the top offensive coordinators and let alone just commodities in college football right now. I mean, he's been thrown in for a couple of these head coaching jobs. So, I mean, I think if, you know, you're Ray Tanner and you want to go get a guy like Garrett Riley, you got to act fast because Garrett Riley's phone is probably ringing off the hook right now. And he would be a splash for Beamer. And I'm sure, you know, he might be one of those guys that's interested, you know, because he, he coached or Beamer coached underneath Lincoln Riley, as we all know, at Oklahoma. So I know there's rapport there. And I know Lincoln is given it. He's also, he's publicly talked about Shane, you know, giving him the, uh, you know, the praise he's deserved on um, what he's done at South Carolina. So, I mean, I, I don't see why Garrett Riley's not an option as well. Um, and a big one too. I think it would, it would be a huge slash. And I mean, I, I know for, I mean, at least from my, from my standpoint, my opinion is I think he's number one on your big board. He's somebody you really want to go get. Cause like I said, he's one of the hottest commodities in college football right now. And we've seen what he's done with TCU's offense. They were a dormant mm-hmm. program. And then he's just kind of built it up. And this offense is one of the hottest in college football. Philip brings up a real good point, And it was one that I overlooked. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that Zeb, of course, Zeb just has a very unique he's he's in a very unique position. Um I could certainly see them leaning on Zeb heavily for the bowl game. Um I don't know why that went out my mind. Because the fact that he's played with a lot of those guys before. So again, I don't think it's crazy to think I, I just don't what I'm trying to get at is I just don't think Beamer wants to be shuffling things up too much. I mentioned the thing with Lumbo. That's not to say Lumbo's going to be out there calling plays, and all, but the fact of the matter is Lumbo has that head coaching of ex- experience. So whereas a guy like Zeb, yes, he played that position for your own freaking university a year ago. He understands that playbook. We've heard not just from Satterfield, but we've heard from Shane Beamer as well about his knowledge during the interview process when they were bringing him on to be a GA. So, yes, I'm sure they have a lot of confidence with him. Do they have confidence to the point where, you know, he'd be calling the plays? Probably not. Um, Working with the quarterbacks, absolutely. Um, Again, it just – I feel like it's going to be one of those things that Beamer's going to try to do whatever he can not to shuffle too many pieces around. Zeb certainly has been coaching with the QBs this season. Um, there's a couple of things that I started that I do want to get back to that. I do want to get back to. And Justin brings this up. I think I've mentioned, I, I feel like I mentioned this every time there's a coaching search, you know, most coaches are, or an opening, most coaches already have a list of guys for each position that they would hire um, if they need a guy. So when you go into a coaching search, right. And they brought Beamer on board two years ago. And we've talked about this before on other platforms, but for those of you that have missed it or just, aren't aware how the process goes when a coach goes in, they usually have, and you know, it depends on what coach you're talking about, but they have their tiers, tier A, tier B, tier C, tier D. Um, sometimes you'll have tier D, but usually three tiers, ABC. And when they go in to meet with the athletic director, assistant athletic director, they'll list out, all right, this is who I'm thinking about at running back receiver coach, this and that. Okay. That list is constantly being updated throughout the year. Um, and I'm sure for a position like Marcus Satterfield, after what we saw from this offense a couple weeks back, I'm sure it was something that was being looked at who could be open at that position. Right. And again, that's not to say South Carolina was going to straight out fire him. His contract was going to be up. So you have to be constantly preparing for yourself. And this is a question I think I asked Beamer last year because 
with the talented coaches that they do have on this staff, Joe, at any given time, at any given time, someone could leave. Someone could get asked to go to the NFL. They could do this or that. And that brings up the question about Freddie Kitchens. Aren't there rumors Kitchens wants to get back uh, to the NFL long-term? Um, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised by it. I will say this, though. Take it for what it's worth. I think we've mentioned this before. We try to downplay it by not mentioning it when Freddie first got here. But I think it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's like it's can't hurt to say, um, you know, Freddie's daughter, she she goes to the university. So I'm sure this has been a very unique opportunity for Freddie, Freddie to be able to be around his daughter a little bit more, be around family, which when you're a coach, I mean, I had this conversation with um, Greg Atkins right before his son Nate got there. I mean, it was going to be a unique opportunity for him to be able to be around his son. Um, now, does that mean that Freddie would just say, all right, I'm staying at South Carolina because of that? No, but it's just an extra layer. It's an added layer to the mix. Okay. Um, I feel like if the right opportunity came for Freddie, yeah. Um, is this a long-term spot for Freddie? As an analyst, certainly not. You know, that's usually a position that you'll stay in a year, if two. Um, you'll have to wait and see. If he were to stay on staff, does he get elevated to the offensive coordinator position? Does he get elevated to another, you know, quarterback? Whatever the case may be. Is there other movement from a coaching staff standpoint? But that's one thing that I would say about that. Um, and then the last thing, again, we're kind of hopping around here, trying to answer some of these questions. Will says, what chance that Spencer plays in the bowl game? I feel like it, at least if I was Spencer, if I was Spencer, and I know not, not everyone's going to love hearing this. If I'm Spencer, my mind is I go out there, I have a great bowl game, and then I'm declaring. Because then you end the year on three great games, you know, assuming that he would go out and have a great game in the bowl game. So, because to me, Joe, Spencer is the type of player we've seen him before. We see it. We saw it back in the spring. Um, I remember seeing him back in August when all of us had an opportunity during those uh, open practices to the media, at least the beginning portion. And you see Rattler when he's, you know, throwing in just shorts. Right. Or, you know, he just has uh, the helmet on. He is going to impress a lot of people at Pro Day. He has a strong arm, good mechanics, tight spiral, quick release. He's going to look good in shorts. Right. The old the old saying, oh, he's going to look good in shorts. He's going to look fine at Pro Day. There's no question about it. What he needs to do, though, is and the question is, is being able to have enough tape where scouts are going to say, you know what? The Spencer that we've seen to close out the year for South Carolina, that's the Spencer that we expect to get if we draft him, if we you know, give him a camp uh, invite, whatever the case may be. So I bring that up because, to me, what we've seen from Rattler over the last two weeks, it goes to show how talented the guy is. It goes to show everything as to why so many people were speaking so highly about him when he got to South Carolina. And while it's not all on Spencer – some of it can go on blocking. Some of it can go on drops. Some of it can go on um, just miscommunication. I brought this up the other day, Joe, on that safety. I don't know what the hell happened. I'd love to find out. Um, I'll look into it and, and try to get some clarity about it. On the safety, South Carolina 
there's three offensive linemen blocking one of the D linemen. Three. Triple teaming them in the linebacker game right up through the middle, and that's what caused the sack. So I bring that up because it's plays like that where it's difficult to say, all right, that's on Rattler. You know, it's like if Rattler, if Rattler has time, what is he going to do? Well, we've seen that. We've seen that. Um, so that's why I'd bring that up. So again, yeah. at least with me, Joe, I think what it's going to come down to is this. Rattler is either going to come back next season or he's going to declare to the draft. I can't see him transferring out. Um, regardless, regardless. And I, I don't say it hurts. I don't want to say it doesn't help South Carolina, um, or it hurts either way, but the fact that Satterfield is gone now, regardless if Rattler goes to declares for the NFL or he comes back, he's going to have to learn a new playbook. He's going to have to learn a new playbook. So, I don't know if that's something that hurts South Carolina's chances of getting him back on top of it. And it's just the reality. We don't know who's going to come back next year for USC. I'm not trying to be a Debbie downer. There's been an incredible last two weeks for USC football, but hypothetically speaking here, and I'm not saying these guys are gone for sure, but Jaheim Bell, Juice Wells, Marshawn Lloyd, you know, you start going down the list, Austin Stogner, even though some of those guys do have the ability to come back, Joe, next season, there's also that possibility where they don't return. And if you're Stog- and if you're a Rattler, okay, I got to learn a new playbook. I don't know who my weapons are going to be around me. I might not even know who my offensive coordinator is. And not saying that he has to declare anytime soon. He can take his sweet-ass time. No one's saying he has to make a decision anytime soon. Um, but those are the those are part of the conversation, though, because it's it's the unknown. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. I mean, personally, I, I don't think he stays. I think he does play in the bowl game because I think he needs that third good game of tape. And I think the bowl game that they're going to end up in is going to be one that's going to be watched a little bit more. It's going to be of more, I guess, importance. Uh, if you will. Um, I also think, too, it kind of depends on who leaves and whatnot. I think Juice Wells is gone because he's put together one hell of a year. Uh, it, but, I mean, Spencer, it just kind of depends, really. With Satterfield gone, you would have to learn a new playbook. Personally, I like I said, I, I do think he's gone just because of the games that he's put together and he's proven that he is the Spencer Rat. Like, he, he's had the games that where, like, where he made sure that freshman year wasn't a fluke. And what he was doing, I guess, sophomore year, now, granted, he got benched sophomore year, but the numbers that he was putting up at Oklahoma wasn't a fluke, and so he's been able to re- redo that um, at South Carolina. I don't. There's no way he transfers. I mean, he loves it here, and like this is a spot that he wants to be in college and stuff like that. And you know, I I, I, I just think he likes Columbia too, too much. So I mean, his options are either go to the draft or stay here for another year. And I, I, Mike, I just think with so much turnover that you know he's gonna have to go to the draft. And because, I mean, too, like those two games that he put together, Clemson and Tennessee are unbelievable. Threw for over yeah. 300 yards in both of them. And it's, I mean, it's it's a resume building, two resume building games. And then if he goes out and does anything relatively close to that in the bowl game, I mean, he's going to be a, t- I mean, mid, or, I mean, if he goes out and does it in the bowl game, he'll, he'll be a third round pick for third to sixth round pick, maybe even a, a late second round pick, Mike. I mean, I think his stock has just been going up and up and up these last couple of weeks. And I mean, 
going into Tennessee, we weren't even talking about it. We were like, is he going to get drafted? You know, maybe seventh round, maybe, you know, an undrafted free agent. But, I mean, what he's done in the last two weeks has been insane. And I think if he goes out there and does anything close in the bowl game, it's it's, it's only going to be beneficial. And then you're right. I think he will look good in shorts. And we, we saw that, too, this summer. You know, mechanics-wise, we were just watching him throw the football. And it's like, damn, man. That's that's a quarterback, and so the eye candy, if you will, that that is Spencer Rattler's mechanics and shorts. He's got to have a good pro day, regardless. So um, you know, I think I think he leaves personally, in my opinion. Um, as much as we'd love to see him stick around for another year and do what he just did, uh, you know, I, I think all sides point to the draft for him. I know Big Red asked, wouldn't an Arkansas offensive coach go more towards the uh, the run? Isn't that the opposite of what we're trying to do? At the end of the day, they're going to go with that pro-style offense, and it seems like that's what Beamer wants to do, where they want to stay balanced. And when I hear balance, you hear every coach kind of say that, right? I want to stay balanced. Um, again, going back and just looking at some of this um, from from Chris, if you guys want to go check it out, you can go check it out on Gamecock Central's page. I feel like based on the personnel Arkansas had, they were they were built to run the football. They were built to run the football. Now, they had playmakers where they could throw the football. I'm not I'm not saying that. But when you look at, right, you look at a – you look at a, a, a K.J. Jefferson, right, a guy that is capable of running the football. Um, you know, you look at some of the running backs that they do have with uh, Sanders. Um, they're a team that is capable of running the ball. Now – I think regardless, unless this is a team that's throwing the football, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are still going to be pissed off, Joe. Like, I, I, I don't know. I think some people have in their mind what they want this offense to look like, right? And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it wouldn't be fun. You know, if you had like a Joe Burrow situation a couple of years ago with LSU and you throw it into Joe, that's, that's fun, okay? I just don't know if that's what Beamer's envisioning. When he came over, from Oklahoma, I think there were some people in their mind, I'm not saying everybody, but I think in their mind, they were convinced that it was going to be a pass-happy offense. Pass-happy, pass-happy, pass-happy. I think even this year, going into it, people assume that with Rattler. Now, I think there's multiple layers as to why that didn't blossom into what some people hoped for. But they had to go to the run, and I feel like that's what something they needed to do. Um, I will say this, though. I never think it's a bad thing to be able to run the football. I feel like, and it's funny, I think back to a couple weeks ago, it was Nick Saban talking about playing Tennessee, and Tennessee was in a goal line situation. They went I formation. And Saban talked about this a couple days after the game. He said that there were some players on his team that literally said that next day in film or whenever they watch film on Monday and said, we didn't know what to do. So I bring that up because the game is evolving so much to airing it out. Right. Instead of being played always between the tackles, it's, you know, and I understand that it's fun being able to see and air it out show, but I still think you need to be able to run the football. Well, and it, there's something to be said about it. And as we saw with South Carolina, even, I mean, look, the other day, run game wasn't there. Um, but you're also going up against a front where all those guys are going to get drafted. But what we saw against Tennessee 
over 150 yards rushing. What happened? Well, South Carolina went out there and they threw the ball for what, Joe? Over 350 yards, 360 yards. So I, I, I say all that because you can still have, you can still have the success in the passing game. You can still have this air it out type of offense if you're running the football well. And I think that, I mean, look, being able to score 63 points against Tennessee, everyone at the table got something, right? 13 receptions. I think even Rattler had a catch. But stuff like that, okay, that's video game numbers. But being able to try to have success in the passing game while still running it, I still think you can do that. And I think in Beamer's mind, I think that's what he's looking to go after. Yeah, Mike, I, I think, too, like, you look at who so – so, say Spencer leaves next year, right? So, you have Doty and Tanner Bailey, and likely it's going to be Doty is the guy, but Tanner Bailey's going to make a shot at it for sure. But I think whoever does come in as offensive coordinator, obviously you want to stick to the pro style, and I think that will be the base of it all, right? But Because that's what Doty knows, and that's, that's kind of the base playbook that they're going after. But I think whoever is the new OC, they're going to design it around, um, you know – what 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 they have what the weapons are you know Marshawn will probably declare and I mean I don't know about CBS I'm thinking he will I don't know if he has eligibility left I gotta look at that um but it kind of just depends on where the weapons lie and I think you know it will come down to you know just building the offense around that right and yeah I mean I think that's what the offense looks like and I mean with Doty being the guy in the case of Spencer leaving I think you know people aren't necessarily looking at him as like or super hopeful. I think Doty could step up and be a great piece for this offense. Um, and, you know, it, not necessarily Spencer level, but, you know, he's been in this offense. He's been working. He's rehabbed his injury. He's not, you know, the last time we saw Luke Doty in action, he was hurt. He was banged up. And, you know, he was with, he was with, you know, uh, you know, it was Beamer. Yeah. Beamer's first, first year. Right. Like, so that's the last time we saw Doty, he was in and out. He was hurt and whatnot, and he just uh, – he was not himself. And also, too, I saw Joey's comment, this is not a Notre Dame shirt, in all fairness. I will say that. It's it's a it's a, one of my favorite bars in Florida. So I will I know. stay here on that. Intern, intern Joe, after the Clemson game, for, for those of you that don't know, he had the ND helmet on. I mean, he's a South Bend kid. But it worked because, you know, Notre Dame beat Clemson that night. And he was wearing the ND shirt. And then, you know, Gamecock, well, at least one or two Gamecock fans were like, you know, why are you wearing an ND shirt? So, um, if South Carolina, first, if South Carolina, if South Carolina does play Notre Dame in the uh, bowl game, I am going to get that photo and say, intern Joe just threw this on to begin the show. So, uh, everyone needs to play along. If you're on social media, you got to say, yep, intern Joe just wore that. That's not from months ago. Um, that's a funny comment. First phone call Beaver needs to make is to Mike Bobo to tell him he's not getting the job. Um, before we start talking about the whole stuff, and I, I do want to talk a little bit about the offensive line position uh, from a coaching standpoint, excuse me, because I also saw that got, get asked. But I uh, want to make sure that we, we hit our ads for today's program. I'm not as smooth as uh, Chris and Wes when they do this, but today's program, as it always is, GC Live, is brought to you by our friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax season, you can never be too ready. And for intern Joe, one day he's going to be a big boy. He's going to be just known as Joe, and he's going to have to deal with his taxes. And if he wants to overcome them, you can give Liberty Tax a call, 803-462-5576. And today's program is also brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond at the Mortgage Network. Buying a home, it is not an easy thing to do. A lot of you listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But especially now, especially with how the market is, 
It is an absolute circus. Well, don't worry. Got the ringleader right here, Glenn Hammond. He'll be able to help you out, make it a little bit easier. Giving him a call over at the Mortgage Network, 803-576-4450. Intern Joe is going to blow his nose. Intern Joe, over movies that can blow your nose. Hey, you know what? It's it's the changing of weather, Joe, okay? I get, blow your nose. Your, your mother would be so proud, you know? Um, I will say this, though, about, about Greg Atkins. At this time, we've heard nothing. Um, I know the health concerns are legitimate, but I, I think if anything were to happen, it would happen over the next couple of weeks. Again, I have not been told anything that makes me believe that Greg will be leaving, uh, but that's not to say that he won't be. But that's kind of just where we are right now with everything. Um, and then, you know, mentioning Lembo, mentioning Justin Stepp, um, some of these coaches, yes, they will be getting – bonuses or at least you would assume a guy like Lumbo is going to get a nice bonus um but we'll we'll wait and see on some of that i want to go through some of these comments joe i do want to hit certain timelines though so again players can start entering officially entering into the portal on december 5th that is next monday that is next monday so how it works is you have to submit your paperwork right do all that. They will not show up in the database until December 5th at the earliest. Okay. So keep an eye, keep an eye on that. Keep that, keep that in your back pocket. Um, dead period. I alluded to at the beginning of the show. It is different this year in comparison to years past. Typically you would see a lot of coaches after that Saturday game, Thanksgiving weekend, and they would go out Hitting the recruiting trails, you'd see pictures on a Monday or Tuesday. You know, we're at this high school or at that high school. Can't do that this year. Cannot do that. Dead period will will be dropped on Friday. So you want to talk about the wild, wild west? Be ready. That's one like one coach told me um, that I spoke to. They said you're going to see coaches hitting the recruiting trail hard, hard on Tuesday. Um, so keep an eye on that. National signing day. I know this is still a new thing. This is still a new thing with being able to have signing day, that 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 first of two signing days for football, which obviously wasn't the case that long ago, but it's become the main signing day. Uh, well, you got a nice Christmas treat because a couple of days before Christmas on the 21st, signing day is a little bit later this year. That is when signing day is. So I'm bringing up all these dates, Joe, because we're here talking about Okay, Marcus Satterfield. We mentioned uh, Riley. Uh, Riley would also be um, – let me make sure. What's that, Joe? I said that's – I mean, that's that's the guy. That's the guy. Right. That, I mean, you know. I know you mentioned Garrett Riley. He's the younger brother of Shane Beamer's former boss, right, at Oklahoma. Uh, Riley has worked lately with uh, veteran offensive line coach uh, A.J. Ricker at SMU and TCU. Um, another interesting bit given South Carolina's coaching situation on the O line. So I bring that up because, you know, some of the things that we were talking about before you want the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator to be on the same page. And again, nothing has happened with Greg Atkins right now, but in the event that that could happen, um, having a, offensive coordinator that has that rapport already 
with um, the offensive line coach would be huge. And you're able to get two guys that worked well together. We saw that when Mike Bobo was retained two years ago. He brought his good buddy over, Will Friend. Well, Will Friend, which it's still to me one of the funniest things that I've seen. And I still have the video up. Will Friend was here for what? A whopping 11 days? Okay. The video of Will Friend's introductory press conference. It would have been better if it wasn't during COVID. But because it was COVID, Will Friend's just on a couch. I don't even, I think he's like still wherever the hell he was coaching at before. He's just sitting on a couch. You know, I'm real happy to be here at South Carolina, blah, blah, blah. Will Friend's gone in just over a week. So I bring that up though because, because obviously Bobo left too. They had a rapport together. They had a rapport. They both went to Auburn. That would be huge. That would be huge if that were to be the case. Um, but I bring all this up about, okay, the offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, transfer portal. That national signing day is interesting, Joe. It's a little bit later. Around that time period is when contracts are going to start to expire for some of these coaches who are on two-year deals. And I'm interested to see how quickly some of this stuff happens because that's what I assume. You know, I have a conversation um, later tonight with a, with a, uh, one of the guys that South Carolina is looking at. And, you know, I've talked to other prospects and other recruits by South Carolina, and they're telling me, like, yeah, we're keeping an eye on this. Now, that's not to say you have to worry about, you know, being panicked or anything like that, but they're interested. And I bring that up because the coaches are, are well aware. Shane Beamer is well aware of that, which is another reason why, if there are changes to his staff, and maybe sometimes you don't know, maybe an NFL guy, right? An NFL, a coach from the NFL, um, or excuse me, there's a head coach opening in the NFL and he wants to bring someone from South Carolina. Stuff happens like that. You're not going to be able to control that. Okay. That just happens. But for the most part, what you want to be able to do is you want to be able to put your core in place. You want to be able to show the recruits, especially before that national signing day period, what you're going to have on your table, right? I mean, that's, that's like saying like, all right, you know, here's a, you know, you want to go buy a new car, Joe? All right. You want to buy a new car? Great. Here, sign the paperwork. And you show up in the car that you looked at a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, isn't the car you get once you sell it, you know, once you buy it and they sell it to you. It's kind of like this. If South Carolina, and I'm sure Beamer's not, you know, Beamer's a, Beamer is a person of high character. He's not going to be trying to do any of this shady stuff that I've seen happen, even going back to my recruiting days of playing college football. He's going to try to be as upfront as possible. There's going to be some things that he cannot control, as we saw a couple of years ago with the Mike Bobo and Will Friend situation. But being able to have that offensive coordinator, and if it's an offensive line coach, if God forbid they want to go in another direction with O-line and move on from Greg Atkins, they're going to want to do that as quickly as possible. Why? Because they feel like, and they do, in my opinion, they owe that. They owe that to the prospects. They owe that to the players that are signing and committing to you on National Signing Day on the 21st. And the other thing, too, is this is a rat race. You want to make damn sure you get those players to sign on the dotted line. And even though you want to do that and you're trying to beat out some of these other schools who, yeah, maybe you have a commitment from this player or this player is leaning towards you. But that's not to say that they can't flip it and go to a Florida or go to one of these other schools. So from an ethical standpoint and from a the, the, the reputation that you're building, 
you want to be able to get those players to sign and do it in a way that will build your reputation, build uh, from an ethical standpoint. Because if you screw over a player like that, what's going to happen? Well, now your reputation's going to, you know, it's it's going to be out there that you did some shady shit just to be able to get a kid to sign. Yeah. And Mike, I don't see Shane Beamer doing that one bit. No, absolutely. Mike, and I, I mean, you brought up the rat race. It's as much of a rat race with the recruits as it is for the coaches, right? Like, we saw how quickly the Matt Rule thing developed. And, I mean, we had always kind of believed in the media that, um, you know, Satterfield was at least going to flirt with, if not already take it, um, take the job wherever Matt Rule lands. And that thing just went quick as quick as possible. I mean, it, it was done, signed, sealed, delivered in like a week. And he had Satterfield like the next day after, I mean, after Clemson, I think it was or it was Sunday or Monday, the deal was signed and everything and the, it was announced. So it's, it's as much of a rat race for recruits as it is with coaches. I mean, you want to get these coaches in and signed. So that way when these, you know, these recruits are signing on the dotted line, they know what they're signing into. And, you know, when you can get coaches in and, you know, sign them to their deals, you know, it, it, it develops a level of consistency too. Cause once you have them in the building, you can start building up again, that the offense, number one, building trust within the players that are, are going to stay. And it also too helps, Guys, you know, if, if you get the new OC in there, you can kind of preach to some of the guys that are maybe on the fence a little bit and maybe give some of those guys a little confidence to stick around. Now, granted, I think a, a lot of the guys like guys like Juice Wells and Spencer, their decisions will already be made up by the time, you know, a new offensive coordinator gets in. But a couple guys that are on the fence, it definitely helps. And two, I mean, I, I think, like I said, um, it, it helps with the culture. And the, the earlier they are in the building, the earlier you can kind of get things going and settle down and the less you have to worry about, you know, picking up the scraps on the national level. And I think a guy like Garrett Riley or even a guy like Graham Harrell or somebody, you know, these guys that are nationally, you know, national commodities in the college football world for new jobs, you know, you, you got to act quickly and you got to throw them contract offers and get them signed because they're going to get snatched up somewhere else. Like I said, the, the, the rule situation just happened so fast. So you, you got to get it done. And it, it's, it would be nice to have, you know, a decent chunk of your staff settled in before signing day. So that way those guys know, you know, that everyone's on the same page and everyone knows what's going on, Mike. Mm -hmm. uh, to answer Keith's question, and I'm trying to do my best to be able to answer everyone's questions. I don't want to go super long tonight, but it uh, looks like we still have a good, good amount of people watching. So we appreciate that. Appreciate you guys tuning into GC Live Talking Tuesdays. We will uh, – We'll see what we'll do next week with this because typically we're going to do this throughout the regular season. But based on the timeline, especially knowing that next Monday is the first day that the transfer portal opens up, I don't think it would be a bad thing to do one of these shows next week. Um, I think we can plan on doing that, but you know, stay tuned to that. But just throwing that out there just in case um, you guys want to know before next week. Keith Asto. You know, do you think we get a quarterback in the portal for Rattler leaves? Based on my conversations um, with people close to the program, I'm under the impression that South Carolina does not want to go into the portal for a quarterback unless there's obviously this one quarterback that you just can't you can't say no to. Um, I would not be shocked if Rattler were to leave that that could open up a spot, you know, what you, you mentioned the portal. Okay. But does a guy like Dante Reno possibly reclassify? Okay. That's obviously there's been, there's been rumbles going back to the day that, um, that Reno committed to South Carolina. You know, is there, there's a possibility that he does that. If not, 
If Rattler stays, I think Reno's going to, you know, stay for the class of 24. But I'm bringing that up. But from everything I've been told, they, they, they would like to stay away from the portal unless they desperately need one. Or, again, there's a quarterback that you, you just cannot miss on. Um, but because from what, from what I've been told, they want to give Doty his opportunity. They want, and that goes right into what Travis brings up. Doty isn't judged fairly. I think he's played. They want to give Doty his opportunity. Uh, I know there's going to be some people that aren't going to be, you know, maybe thrilled about that. They will, but if Rattler is gone, they want to give Doty his opportunity. And like Travis said, look, the guy hadn't been, he hasn't been healthy. He comes into a crap situation in 2020 when they only win two games. All right. Then the poor guy suffers a foot injury in 2021 and yet he's been nothing but positive i think he deserves that opportunity i think he deserves that opportunity yeah absolutely, um, absolutely. you can't do better than well i don't know who duty is uh, i think you meant doty um we can they, they can definitely do better than duty um they can get doty um i'd like to see what doty can do I'd like to see what Doty can do. He's been in the system, Mike. He's been in the building, and they've kind of been, you know, let him, number one, heal up. But, I mean, all the talk coming out of the building about Luke Doty has been how unselfish he is, how great of a team player he is. Why not give him a shot, right? Like, he was so hyped coming in here. Yeah, I saw that. That was hilarious. I was laughing. Well done, my friend. Zachary, thank Uh, you. Travis says, again, this year Doty was healthy and able to run only five. Yeah, look. I wasn't expecting Doty to see the field in terms of meaningful snaps, and you prayed that he wouldn't have to, and that's not a slight against him. You just – that would mean most likely that Rattler got hurt or Rattler just stunk it up to the point where you decided to go to Doty. Um, and the other thing, too, is a lot of those lower body injuries, especially uh, foot injuries, ankle injuries, knee injuries, we've seen this with other athletes, coming back from them, it's not always a, okay, I come back in that next year. It's sometimes that year after. It's sometimes that year, year after. Go look at some of the players that have got hurt. Nick Muse, Marshawn Lloyd, right? I know those more ACLs, but guys that have even had foot injuries. And, you know, I, I mentioned that because a guy like Corey Rucker, the ceiling is so high for that young man, so high. And it's it's a shame that he had an early camp injury came back, showed off a little bit of what he's capable of doing with that touchdown, and then he gets hurt again, then he has to get surgery. Um, I hope he can overcome that mental hurdle that comes with those lower body injuries because sometimes when you're going out there, it could be for any injury, but especially knees, ankles, um, feet. You're thinking so much when you're out there. You're trying to compensate. So – I hope that he can come back, but I bring that up because with Doty's situation, you know, obviously not the same position as playing running back or wide receiver, but at the same time, too, an element of his game is being able to be a dual-threat quarterback. And when he was hurt a year ago, we lost that element of his game a little bit. I wouldn't even say a little bit. We lost that element of his game, I'd say, like 80%. I'd say 80%. He wasn't the same quarterback. He wasn't the same quarterback. So I bring that up because for people to sit here, to sit here, and I see Justin bringing this up, for people to sit here and say, okay, you know, Doty's not the guy. Well, we saw what he did a year ago. Did we, though? Did we? I mean, let's at least give the kid an opportunity to see what he can do. 
Plus, depending on what the offensive scheme is, I mean, that's another thing. All these people, I say, oh, I know not everyone here, but some. All these people that were yapping and complaining about Mike Bobo's offense, okay? Bobo's gone. Okay, then you were complaining about Satterfield. Satterfield's gone. Can you give the kid an opportunity if you keep saying it's the OC? Um, I mean, no. Like, like, like you, you, you really can't. Like, so you, you gotta, you, you have to keep playing Doty. Like, right. Like I said, he's the guy. He's the default guy. He's next in line. And again, right. Like, with with the whole regime change and everything, and what we saw. Um, obviously, like we saw him hurt in the COVID season. And so, you know, like you said, Mike, I mean, you teed it up perfectly. Like it was, you said it perfectly. That's why I was, I was kind of at a loss for words because you said everything perfectly there. But like, yeah, he's, he played on a bum foot. He's really had time to really rehab it, get to know this offense and play under Spencer Rattler. They, you know, coming in, Doty is like a similar quarterback, you know, throwing on the run, a little bit more of a mobile guy out of high school. So playing underneath Spencer, number one, Spencer's a great leader. And I'm sure he's done a great job of, you know, coaching Luke up and showing him how to, you know, run the offense and be a leader on this offense. And two, they're similar quarterbacks. So there's, you know, they're definitely exchanging information. How to, you know, how do you, how did you read this? How do you play this and whatnot? Cause I mean, they're both very, very talented quarterbacks and they both have a lot of weapons to offer on, from under center. Like I, I, I just, I think Doty is a guy, I think Tanner Bailey's going to give him a run next year. I think Tanner Bailey's really like, he's going to be, you know, a great number two option and, you know, could be a quarterback after Doty depending on Doty's year next year. But I mean, I think by default, you know, it's, it's Doty. You got to give him a shot. You can't really, because I think the trust in Doty, you know, goes down if you go out and get a, get a guy from the portal, you know, I think, you know, he might look elsewhere, look, you know, for himself for the portal. If you go grab another quarterback from the portal, like they did this year. Um, and, you know, the reason why they did, you know, grab Spencer's because again, like Doty's been hurt. He's been, you know, banged up and he really never had any time to develop. So if you were to throw him back into the fire right there, um, and I, obviously Spencer, Shane talked about it too. It was a little, little bit of a lottery ticket, really. You know, he threw his name in there and, you know, started talking to him and Spencer hit, latched on and did it. And so I think it's, you know, Spencer coming here has been powerful for Doty too. But so I, I, I just think he's the next guy in line for sure. So a couple of things. We're seeing a lot of quarterback questions right now. Uh, Justin brings up Doty's arm isn't, or, you know, comments as well. Doty's arm isn't Spencer's, but he's pretty solid. I'm not saying that Doty can't throw the football. Um, obviously, Rattler has an incredible arm. There's no yeah. question about it. I mean, the, the guy's arm is incredible. Like we said, pro day, he will, he'll be the most, he'll be one of the more impressive quarterbacks in the country during pro day. I don't know if he gets invited to the combine. And I see some people saying, oh, he's, he should focus on the combine. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but regardless, pro day, whenever he's out there throwing around, he's going to look good. Uh, with with Doty, though, and that's not to say that Rattler didn't have the ability to scramble. We saw that. Doty brings that, though. It goes back to his days when he was in high school, when he was Mr. Football here in South Carolina. And a lot of people that have followed him going back to his high school days, you understand what he's capable of doing uh, with both his, his, his feet. And that's not to say that he can't throw the football. Um, you know, would Rattler benefit more from an NIL deal rather than uh, the NFL this year? Well, I think it's the, it goes back to the, you know, what the risk factor is, right. You know, um, is it, is it a big risk going to the end now based on, based on what I think a lot of us are assuming right now, right. I'm, I'm sure, uh, Spencer has his camp. They're going to be told things, but you know, based on what at least I think a lot of us are thinking, it would be a risk for Rattler to go. Um, but 
the upside, of course, is you're in the NFL. You make a lot of money. Okay. Right. Um, the risk of going too early, right. If it doesn't work out, you might not have that opportunity and you kind of just fizzle out depending on that timing of it. Maybe that, that journey to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, maybe it's a little bit longer um, and you need some things to, to break your way. Now coming back to South Carolina, there are risks as well. There's, there's pros. The pros are you can increase your draft stock. Risk are, well, you come back. You obviously you could always get hurt. That's a possibility for any player, not just rally. That's a, that, that's something that goes back to well before NIL, right? That's always a risk for athletes. I mean, go ask Clowney. I mean, Clowney didn't want to play one season, I believe, because he was, he was all ready to go. Um, so that's, that's one. The other risk that you face, which we kind of hit on before, you don't know what this offense is going to look like because you're going to have a new offensive coordinator. You're going to have to learn a completely new offense. Now, that could be a pro, but it's also an unknown. And on top of that, you don't know who's going to be back here next season from a weapon standpoint. If, again, part of the unknown, if a guy like Jaheim Bell doesn't come back, if a guy like Juice Wells doesn't come back, if a guy like Marshawn Lloyd doesn't come back, there's going to be a lot of weapons that South Carolina could be uh, losing. Um, yeah. So I, I bring all that up because from an NIL standpoint, I think it makes it can entice more players to stick around an extra year or two. Um, we used the example last year of Josh Van. Not that Josh Van was bringing in crazy amount of money, but you know, has the birth of his daughter. Does he decide, hey, I got to get money right now for her. I got to go pursue this. And even though it might be, I wouldn't say a long shot, but his NFL draft stock wasn't as high as I think it is now. I mean, obviously the injury kind of plays a role in, in things, but and you hope that he's going to be healthy. But he's able to come back. He's able to at least get some money, though. And his family, I know, helps him out. But, you know, as a man, you know, and you could say this as a woman, too, you know, a lot of individuals, they want to be able to take care of their family. And I'm sure that was something that you look back and I know Josh is the same example as another player, but there's some players that say, Hey, I need to go get the money right now. I need to take care of my family. NIL that changes the game a little bit. And that played a small part. And I think Josh kind of mentioned that um, going back to the spring. I think I actually asked him that at um, during media availability. I asked him that he's like, yeah, you know, he's like, I really wasn't full. I think I'm paraphrasing. That wasn't something I was really concerned about this past season, meaning the 2021 season, he's like, but yeah, I mean, the fact that it's out there, he's like, doesn't hurt. Um, and then yeah. what, what do you want to say, Joe? Cause I want to get, I'm just going to go through these. Yeah, no, I was, I was going to say, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I think for guys that like juice Wells and Spencer, I don't necessarily think NIL ties in as much, but I mean, shout out Garnet trust. Um, you know, I think Garnet trust does a good job and, you know, helping a, a lot of these guys that aren't necessarily on the national, you know, stage or, you know, going to be a top five round pick, um, you know, so NIL definitely plays into a lot of those guys' decisions too. No question about it. Um, I do want to, and I'm going to try to go through these quick, Joe. Okay. So if you got a quick thought, just let me know. We'll keep going through these big red. Does DK have eligibility? He does have an extra year of eligibility. He did walk at senior day, but that does not mean he is number one, not coming back. That also does not mean um, that he cannot transfer anywhere. Both of those are on the table. And the, on the and the third one, of course, is he can either just leave South Carolina altogether and either declare or just walk away from football. 
Um, Travis Edwards says 90% of college QBs don't have Rattlers on. Yep, I would uh, agree with that. A little Boston accent there saying, um, huh? Um, no, I don't think Joe Brady's a possibility. I, I do think this. I do think, even though I, while I, I do believe the job is more intriguing at South Carolina, one thing that always makes me laugh when Joe, job openings pop up is how some people think South Carolina is just going to be able to get everybody. Um, maybe this person will come. Maybe this person. I don't see Joe Brady coming. Um, Justin Simmons, arm strength is important, but so is touch. No question about it. Um, I know we have not mentioned this. I, uh, have we mentioned how badly Kai Kroger got shafted. No, we haven't. We haven't. Um, and Lumbo. Look, well, yeah. I'll say this about Lumbo. I'll say this about Lumbo. And I think we can talk about it from a financial standpoint before we wrap things up too. Yeah. I'm not surprised that a special teams coordinator for an eight and four team got left out. Okay. I think people that have been paying attention to South Carolina, the way that of course we do. And the people that are watching, we know the value that Pete has. There's a lot of people in the football universe that pay attention to college football that know the impact that he has. But in a sense, and it's not true apples to apples, but kind of like the Heisman Trophy, right? There's players out there that have phenomenal seasons. Phenomenal seasons. They get lost in the shuffle sometimes. Why? Because they're not on a team that is one of the better teams in the country. So again, even though that's not what this award is about, when you look at the finals, I believe there's five. When you look at the finalists, I believe... Four of the five coaches are on teams right now who are in the mix for the college football playoff. You see what I'm trying to get at? Oh, yeah. And the Illinois is the only other uh, school that represents that list. So I just bring that up because I, I think, I think unfortunately Lumbo was going to have a, of a difficult time just based on the success of South Carolina, even though when we talk about success from a historical standpoint for South Carolina, this has been one of the better seasons. Um, again, 13th year, a 13th season in the 100 plus year history of South Carolina, they've had eight wins or more in the regular season. So I bring that up as far as Kai goes. Ugh, I mean, look, <laughs> here, here's the thing about Kai. Here's the thing about Kai that drives me nuts. It seemed like every week he was up for one of the, the the Ray guy eight each week. Okay. On top of that, on top of that, led the SEC in punt yards. Second in the nation. Second in the nation in punt average. Okay. And I'm I'm probably butchering some of these guys' names. Um Corsac from Rutgers. And Fletcher from Cincinnati, those are two of the three guys that are on this list. Kai averaged more yards per punt than both those guys. Um, he had a higher higher percentage of downing punts inside the 20 than all three of the guys on that list. And, oh, by the way, the other day, he had five against Clemson of those seven punts. And I think, what, there were – four inside the 10, if not five, all inside the 10. I mean, there was like one at the one, two and the three, you know, you get what I'm getting at. Um, never mind the fact of what he's done. Never mind of what he's done 
from a passing standpoint. Okay. And I know that doesn't get always factored in, right? It's the highest as the higher QBR. I know that doesn't always get factored in. Um, but I mean, the point being is this guy is one of the, I've said this before, South Carolina is not eight and four. If they don't have Kai Kroger in the team, they're not, they could eat. They don't win this game against Clemson. Okay. Without Kai Kroger, they don't beat Clemson. I'd argue that, I mean, special teams in general against Georgia State week one, Mitch Jeter played a big role. But I'd say there's probably at least two, if not three games. I mean, we could say special teams. Special teams as a whole, South Carolina probably loses four games if their special teams isn't on. If they don't have Mitch Jeter and Kai Kroger, they probably lose four of those games. But there's probably at least two, if not three games, South Carolina doesn't win without Kai Kroger. And I'd be lying to you if I said I've been paying attention to Rucker and Rutgers and um, you know Cincinnati, um, but I mean I, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Mike. I mean you're you're right. I mean Kai Kroger is arguably the best punter in the country. I don't necessarily understand it. I mean the only explanation that I can really give is that you know they didn't punt much in the Tennessee game, so nobody like that was the first game that was really on. I mean, minus the Georgia game, but even Georgia was on SEC Network, I believe. But they didn't pump much against Tennessee. And, I mean, obviously Clemson was a nationally televised game, so that was a big one. They don't win that game. Another game I wanted to bring up was Kentucky. That was where, you know, Kai Kroger really, really, you know, excelled and really bounced onto the scene, I guess, in terms of the SEC. You know, that's where people got to know who Kai Kroger was in, on the SEC scale. You know, one of his best games of the year. And throwing the ball, too. I loved the comment about the QBR, you know. He's, he's on the hands team as well, not to mention. Yes. Um, shout out Colin Taylor for bringing that up again. How many you know, hunters are on the hands team? I know. It's crazy. And, you know, he, he played a little bit at Lake Forest back in Illinois, um, back over there in Chicago. And so, I mean, Kai Kroger is one of the most talented punters in the country. And let alone, like, two, he, he hits nukes. I mean, it's, and that, it's and I will And I will say this. The QBR stat. The hands team, yeah. it's all incredible. No. It's never going to get factored into this. No, and, and, and honestly, and honestly, it shouldn't. I know, you know, I, well, uh, it's cool. The, the thing about the thing about the QBR factor, um, it's like it, it is part of the position, right? I mean, doing fake yeah. punts and stuff. So, I mean, you can make an argument for that. One thing I do want to bring up though, that we haven't hit on. If South Carolina does move on from Greg Atkins, which again, nothing is indicated that they will at this time, but if they were, um, we know that Lonnie has played a, a role. Um, you know, he's done a great job of filling in Joe uh, with the offensive line coach position. Um, certainly that would be a position I'm sure that USC could look to hire internally. But again, mentioning Garrett Riley's name, it all depends on, Number one, number one, well, what happens with Greg Atkins? You know, is he back next season or not? Um, is he in a position from a health standpoint to be back next season? Um, I can tell you Greg is someone that I don't feel like gets – I think Greg catches some strays that that he doesn't – you know – I. I think Greg gets a bag bag uh, rap at times. I really do, um, because it's easy to sit here and point at the offensive line when there were issues with the offense as a whole for parts for portions of the season. 
And then, you know, there were times the offensive line did a good job and he was still there. And this goes back to last year too. Um, and then of course, Lonnie did a great job filling in uh, when he got his number called. Um, let's see. Now nah, in turn, Joe, he has the same number of punts as the dude from Michigan state. And yeah, it's, um, I mean, I think he deserves to be a finalist. And like, I, 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 I again, I also think like he, he should win the award, arguably kind of just watching. I mean, my little brother goes to Rutgers, so I, I know they punt plenty based on, uh, you know, his, his, uh, <laughs> his, um, his, his recaps of some of these games. But, um, you know, I, I think he deserves to be a finalist at the very least, you know, definitely in, in contention for it. And same goes out my little piece on Lumbo. He at least deserves to be a finalist for the award. Granted, no special teams coaches really made it to the finalists, but I think just what Lembo has done in, in embracing the Beamer ball thing, I think that's worth recognition. But I mean, Travis, to go to your point, I think impact certainly plays into it. And I think, you, you know, to an extent, I think the QBR and all of that stuff definitely, you know, plays in, but it's, it's probably a minute factor. I mean, it's, 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 it's the award for the nation's best punter. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking nonsense here. I don't know. Well, and I do want to bring this up too about Lembo. We'll wrap things up in a second because you mentioned about Lembo. And I said I was going to do this. And this actually is going to be part of my article tomorrow that we're going to have on Gamecock Central. So I don't want to go too deep with it. But a lot of people I've seen, they say, pay the man with pay Lembo. No question about it. Um, Lembo, I believe, was it 465000 he made this season? I think it was four hundred fifty when he first came in, 465000 this past year. To give you an idea, and this is what I shared on Gamecock Central on the uh, message board, I believe it was yesterday. I'm going to go into it deeper tomorrow, though, if you want to see a deeper dive. I've seen a lot of people throw out the number one million, okay? To give you an idea, all the special teams coaches in the country, okay? There's only one coach in the country that coaches special teams who also holds a title that has no, the word head coach in it, right? Associate head coach, assistant head coach. In this case, he's an assistant head coach. He's at Texas. That's Jeff Banks. Jeff Banks, um, he makes, or this past season, um, $1.05 million, okay? So I bring that up, and next year he's going to make $1.1 million. Um, that's what he's at least – you know, on track to get paid unless they, you know, change the contract up. He makes more, whatever the case may be. But right now, 1.1 million for next season. The second highest paid special teams coordinator, Joe. Did you see this post by me? Because if you did, I if you didn't see this, this will be better. You haven't seen it? I've not seen okay. it yet, but I'll put it up. Take a guess. Take a guess what school pays the second highest paid special teams coordinator in the country. I mean, I would – my first guess would be Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's a private institution. So, uh, first guess, maybe Clemson? I don't know. Uh, I really don't necessarily know. Bama? I don't know. Clemson's Mike Reed makes the second most money out of any special teams coordinator of the country. He makes 750000 So, I bring that up. It's a lot of money. And I know there were some people that, that hated on the muddle huddle. I like the muddle huddle. I you know, I understood what they were trying to do. I like the muddle huddle. The ex- they didn't fumble because of the muddle huddle. They fumbled because the freaking guy couldn't hold on to the damn ball. Too fancy with it, Mike. Well, you know what? It's 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 there was if they if they were able to break that and have a big return, yeah. then everyone's talking about something different, right? You know, it's but yeah, anyway, it's yeah. Muddle huddle, muddle huddle aside, yeah, muddle huddle. <laughs> um, 
Lembo needs to make more money than Mike Reed. Okay. Mike Reed's done a very nice job with their with their special teams. And if you pay attention to Clemson football, not the same way I'm asking you to say pay attention to the Gamecocks, but they've done a nice job. I know in that game it didn't look that way, but he has done a nice job. They have one of the better place kickers in the country too, and he's been very good over the last couple of years. But I bring that up because as good of a job as he's done, you can't look me in the face and tell me that Lembo has not done a better job than him. You can't say that Lembo doesn't deserve more than him. Never mind just the fact of what he brings to the table from a special team standpoint, but the fact of what he brings to a program because he has that head coaching experience. And what he's proven in two years, the value that he brings to this program. Um, yeah. The only way the muddle huddled because Devo is trying to look cute. Yeah, look, I <laughs> – it was in a bad spot, Mike. It just it just didn't make any sense for that spot. The game was like close. I, well, I think I think in you know it, bottom line, it's over with, and it backfired on them. Yes. If they break that though, that could have been that could have been the nail in the coffin. I yeah. really do think that because that, at that point, it's South Carolina was like they, they were throwing haymakers at that point. It was back and forth, back and forth. You get the safety. If South Carolina uh, get a touchdown on that drive, whether it be a long return, it could have been inflating. Now, I don't disagree, and I don't really want to spend too much time talking about the freaking muddle huddle yeah. all night. Um, but, 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 but the whole point being is, I do think it goes back to what SC Scout guy was saying. It's certainly, certainly uh, hard to disagree with the fact that they were trying to get cute, especially with the whole Beamer ball thing. Up. Yes. Part of the game okay. plan for sure to do something cute on special teams. And I think you throw the bag at Lembo, right? You, you get, you pay him whatever he wants. Cause you know, he could just as easily, um, <laughs> he could just as easily, you know, take a head coaching job elsewhere. I mean, Mike, I saw your tweet about the Towson job, like, you know, Lembo has options too. And so let's not forget that. And I think Lembo has been number one, a morale thing. Like they love him in that building. He's hilarious. But two, like, I mean, what he's done on special teams and his focus and his ability to really hone in on special teams and make it, you know, up to the Beamer ball billing, uh, it's huge for the program. For sure. And this is going to happen. When you have success, we've talked about this before in the past, when you have success, other schools, right, could be a pro team too in there, but other schools are going to look at you and they're going to want you to be either their head coach, their CEO, or they're going to want you to be part of their staff. Now, I know some people, and I, you know, that's why I uh, I reached out to um, a couple people to get clarity on the uh, the Lumbo situation. If you don't know what the hell we're talking about, there were rumors circulating on Monday, um, and this got to a point where I was getting phone calls from other coaches in the college world um, asking me, "Hey, have you heard about this?" Because that's how I found out about it. I got a phone call from a college coach at the FCS level. Um, who's actually in the same conference. So I, I'm not going to be surprised if Lumbo gets back into a head coaching role at some point down the road. When that is, I think that's tough to say. I think he's talented enough to be able to, um, to do a little bit better than the Townsend rumor. And again, if you missed that, 
you know, so there was there was uh, rumors out there that uh, Lembo was talking to Townsend. Um, that is false. Um, Lembo is not pursuing the Townsend job, as we reported yesterday on Gamecock Central. But I bring that up because that's going to happen when you have success, right? Think about it last year. Clayton White put a phenomenal, phenomenal game plan together to be able to fix this program. And what happened? His name was in the mix. I don't, and a lot of these coaches, I think Justin Stepp was too. They, they don't like talking about it. Um, and it's something that we asked them, I think in the spring, right? You know, we're, we're in these other schools looking at you, this and that. I know Justin Stepp, a couple of schools were looking at him. I know Clayton White, a couple of schools were looking at him. Um, that's what happens when you have success. That's what happens when Travis say, if Lumbo leaves, Mike, throw your hat, uh, throw your hands in the hat. Look, hey, the NE10 Special Teams Player of the Week, my junior year, Joe. We can do it again, baby. Um, oh no, I, I got my, I got, I actually do. It's you know, the funniest thing is. Joe, you you talk right now. Talk for a little bit. I'll, I'm going to bring something. All right, all right. So yeah, I mean, I think obviously you throw the bag at Lembo, right? Like uh, I know SC Scout guy. I mean, I love the take. Like he, Pete Lembo is awesome. He's a fantastic person. He's hilarious. Like I look forward to his com or his pressers every week. Every time Fink lets him talk, it's it's the best. So I mean, I, I think on the case of Lembo, like you got to throw the bag at him, right? Like you have to ex- try to do your best to extend him. And I think he kind of wants to be here, you know, with the success that he's having and the recognition that he's getting, you know, he's appreciated on the staff. I don't necessarily know. I'm sure at first he was appreciated and everything, but I mean, yeah, Mike, I mean, I think you have to throw the bag at Lembo for sure. He's, he's as crucial to his staff as anybody else. Clayton White is, or even Shane for that matter. I love, I love how this actually is like becoming a, a, a little bit of a conversation, you know, um, I will say, I will say this and I'm, and I know we're kind of joking here. Um, but if I wasn't doing this, I would have, I would have got into coaching. My dad's finishing up his 39th year of high school football. Shout out to coach Yuva. He's got the, the, uh, D one, which is the highest in Massachusetts D one state championship on uh Saturday at Gillette stadium, trying to win his fifth super bowl title. They call them super bowls up here, but this is, this is my, uh, this is the book that I have. How about this? The complete guide to special teams. Um, Forward by Frank Beamer. So it's funny because it's funny because I've had this, I've had this book. I've had this book for so long. And the things that I've drawn up over the years, you know, conversation now, Mike, come on. It's funny. It's, it's just, it's just, it's just funny though, because, um, you know, what, what, what Lumbo has done. It's funny because, Everyone thinks of Beamer Ball, Beamer Ball, and rightfully so. And that's not to take anything away from Shane Beamer because, yes, of course, when people think Beamer Ball, they think Frank Beamer, okay? Shane has had a nice little career, though, on special teams. No question about it. And he's played the position before. He was a long snapper at Virginia Tech. Um, But I bring all that up because having him, having Pete Lembo, having those guys work together, They've been able to do things from a special team standpoint, which is really, I mean, we know they're number one in efficiency, but it's really just took them over the top. And another guy too, that deserves to get recognized um, for South Carolina special teams is um, Stanton uh, Weber, Stanton Weber. He's the USC special teams analyst. 
he has been absolutely incredible. He's not going to get the recognition like Lumbo. He's not going to get the recognition like Beamer, obviously the head coach. But uh, Stanton has done an absolutely incredible job. And um, I think that's a guy that, you know, look, you hope that Lumbo's here for a long, long time. Uh, I don't know how long they're going to be able to keep Stanton there, though. I mean, Stanton could be gone after this year for all I know. I don't know that for certain. But after, think about that. The job that South Carolina has done this year, you're a guy like Stanton. If a team offers you a special teams coordinator position, and there's some, you know, some real good money that comes with it because they see the job that you're doing over at South Carolina. And I'm sure Lembo and Beamer would put a very good um, reference reference letter in for him. Well, I mean, one thing Beamer said last week too was that, you know, he said, I would coach special teams if I couldn't get Lembo. He said, I, I wanted Pete Lembo. There's a yeah. reason why, you know, I, I didn't, you know, or I'm not coaching special teams right now. It's because I wanted Pete Lembo. And he's like, had I not gotten Pete Lembo, I'd be doing it myself. With my background in special teams, you know, everyone, he said, everyone was saying, why don't you just coach it yourself? He's like, because I wanted Pete Lembo. And that's the only guy in the country, to our knowledge, that, you know, he was going after. And obviously he got him. And we're seeing why Shane wanted him so badly. Like, Pete Lembo is that guy in terms of special teams. His attention to detail is ridiculous. And I think his former experience as being a head coach definitely helps out with this. And he, he puts a head coaching level of, you know, time and process into special teams. And, you know, Pete has perfected the art of special teams and it's only getting better and better and better. As I've seen the comments that are saying, like, you know, they wouldn't have won eight games without special teams. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The special teams unit. And I love it, too, because it's a bunch of role players. Special teams is the guys that, you know, are getting their shot to play, their crack at the field. And so with special teams being such a big deal on this team, it says so much about the culture. It says so much about what Beamer's building and everything. Like, I think special teams leading the way. And again, like like we said, the, the age old Beamer ball, like Frank, Frank Beamer, you know, trademarked it, really. And so I, I think Pete Lemo is a perfect guy for the job to keep that rolling. And, you know, it, it's the reason why Shane's not coaching it himself is because he really wanted Pete Lembo and he got him. And now we're seeing why. No question about it, Joe. No yeah. question about it. I see one more comment from SC Scout guy. We appreciate you, buddy. Watching uh, our show all season long. Lumbo has also been a head coach before. Yep. He was at Lehigh. Um, you know, it doesn't Lembo put it this way. And I had a little bit of this in my story yesterday that I put on um, on Gamecock Central. But um, Lembo is in his 31st season of coaching college football. Of those 31 years, 15 of them he's been head coach. Think about that. 15 of those 31 seasons, nearly half of his coaching career, he's been a head coach. So the majority of his coaching career, he knows – as we get a uh, lady, ba- uh, lady women's basket, I say, I say, and I'm not. They don't like going by the, the phrase "lady game cocks." Uh, that's why I was trying not to say it. Uh, I was reading it though. Um, they're down by three right now to UCLA. Okay, we appreciate that. Happy, happy, happy. Yep. Um, but I bring that up because he. This is the majority of his coaching career. He's been a head coach. Um, he's had success. You go back to the days when he was in the Patriot League, and then for those of you that. For whatever reason, don't know the teams in the Patriot League. I like, you know, Bucknell, Lehigh, um, Holy Cross is in it, Georgetown, uh, Fordham. But 
I bring that up because he uh, he was the Patriot League coach of the year in 2000 and won. 2001, which, as we all know, was not an easy season to coach by any means. Um, and I know every team in the country is dealing with that. But, I mean, man, I can only imagine what that would have been like coaching during that season. But his head coaching record, 112-65. and 65. Okay? The guy knows how to coach. The guy knows how to coach. Uh, you know, if South Carolina continues to have success, Yes, his name is going to continue to get brought up. It's just part of it. All right, intern Joe, we're going to wrap things up here. Sorry. It was a late one, a little bit later than I thought we were going no. to do tonight. Um, I know, but you know what, though? There's a lot going on. And I know we didn't go super deep down the list of names as to who South Carolina could be pursuing. Um, but if you guys want to take a look at that, head on over to Gamecock Central again. My colleague, Chris Clark, he did an absolutely outstanding job. Um, offensive coordinator, Hotboard 2.0. Um, Lamb Cohen is another guy to bring up. I have heard about Lamb. Um, he was, I believe he was actually going to go to Holy Cross to join my old college coach. And then right before that, he went over to the Rams. Um, he was... Um, he was at um, Kentucky running their offense in 2001. Then he reunited with the Rams in 2022. Um, so, again, we'll have to wait and see how that all plays out. But that's going to do it here for GC Live Talking Tuesday nights. Hope you guys have a terrific week. And the next time we talk, it will be December. And we'll get ready to get you all caught up on what takes place on Monday. Again, Monday is the official first day the transfer portal will open. And I'm not speaking just South Carolina. I'm speaking college football. The floodgates are going to open up. And we will get you caught up. And we will do a show on Tuesday night so that we can get you updated as to anyone who could be possibly leaving or any possible players as to, hmm, might want to keep your eyes on. And then if there's any updates as far as coaching is concerned, right, whether it be offensive line or an OC high or any of that, we will get you caught up on that as well. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike Yuba. You guys have been watching GC Live talking Tuesday nights. Have yourself a good evening. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.